Welcome to the Modern Mamas Podcast. We're here to provide a safe space for open dialogue, insights, and anecdotes about empowered pregnancy, labor, delivery, parenthood, and everything in between with zero judgment and open hearts and minds. I'm Jess, a level one CrossFit trainer, a birth fit coach, and a licensed and certified athletic trainer. I have my master's degree in kinesiology, and I am currently studying to be a certified nutrition consultant. I'm the blogger behind Hold the Space Wellness, as well as a mama to two small kiddos. And I'm Laura, a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, birth fit Santa Cruz regional director, and mama to Evie Wilder. I'm also the woman behind Radical Roots, where you'll find recipes, fitness insights, travel tips, consulting, and more. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We are so happy you're here. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Jess here. Laura is um, not with me today because I'm interviewing a really special guest. And so uh, if you haven't noticed, we've started to kind of do solo episodes when we bring guests on, um, more so to give each other a break and then also to be able to better connect with the person that we're interviewing. Um, it just makes kind of the flow of the the conversation go a little bit better. So today I get to talk, to talk with um, I guess I'm going to introduce to you in a minute, so I'm going to leave you in suspense, but I'll do a quick check-in with myself, which is really weird. It's weird just talking about myself, but uh, let's see what's going on in my world. Um, If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I have been heavily into perfecting homemade coconut yogurt, and I am deeply invested into this venture right now. Uh, We're talking... I spent some money to try and figure this out for you guys. So this is what I I sacrificed for you so that you can have the answers. Um, And in the meantime, I get to taste test some amazing yogurt, but I'm almost there. People have been messaging, messaging me on Instagram asking for the recipe and I just don't want to put it out yet because it's not perfect, but I promise I'm, I'm there. Um, it will go live soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, let's see what else is going on. Um, I know, you know, one thing that's going on on in our world, we've been kind of working through paying off debt. And I feel like talking about money is like kind of like a four-letter topic sometimes. You know, people don't want to hear about debt or they don't want to talk about budgets or, you know, everyone's just kind of really weird about money. For us, it's just like something that's actually quite freeing, which is weird. So we have school loans and personal debt that we've both accumulated in our time together and before we got married. Um, and we're actually really close to paying off some personal debts. Um, and it's amazing. And it's amazing that we've been able to do that over the last few years, just be really diligent about it with the budget. Um, and so that's, that's exciting. If you want to hear more about our budget, I'm sure that's not a podcast topic that people are looking forward to, but you can reach out to me and I will happily chat with you. Um, so that's another thing. Let's see. I guess the other thing, and I'm so glad that I have Michelle here today because um, we have been struggling parenting-wise over here with our oldest, and um, I haven't talked too much about it on Instagram, more so because I kind of just don't know what to say about it because I don't have the answers and I'm still trying to figure everything out, but I'm sure we'll dive a little bit into it on this episode. I'll try not to make it another just therapy session, but we have some really good listener questions. And so it's going to be exciting to dive into this in general. So that's kind of what's going on with me um, today. Without further ado, 
the topic that we're going to be discussing, uh, we're going to be chatting with Michelle Carlson, who is with Peace and Parenting. And basically, she's going to talk to us about positive parenting, positive parenting as an approach to connecting with your child um, and how connection can kind of be the foundation of behavior changes. So we're going to kind of pick her brain. It's going to be amazing. A little bit about Michelle. She has an incredible bio. So I'm just going to read it verbatim because it's amazing. Michelle lives in Los Angeles with her two girls, 8 and 11, and before becoming a hand-in-hand certified instructor in 2015, she worked for 12 years in public schools as a teacher and counselor. She also served as an adjunct professor in the Department of Education, instructing in the teacher credentialing program, none of which prepared her to be a mom. That's hilarious. <laughs> After years of consequences, bribes, and star charts, she found hand-in-hand parenting created by Patty Whipfler. It reshaped the relationship she shares with her daughters, and she credits it with changing her life. She is passionate about helping others find their way through the murky business of being a connected parent. She loves leading groups and finds the dynamic transformative. Michelle also strongly believes that listening partnerships are the cornerstone to moving through difficulties. Michelle has helped herself and others make meaningful connections, work on sibling rivalry, and alleviate school problems. Aggression, fears, withdrawalness, and sleep are just some of, the, some of the struggles she has shared and helped others rectify. She holds a master's degree in education, speaks fluent Spanish, that is impressive, has been trained as a council in schools facilitator and an ADL tra- trainer, fighting against bias of all types on school campuses. Wow, that is impressive. <laughs> And you look so beautiful and put together and glowing, despite all of that stuff. <laughs> no, not despite, but you know, it <laughs> seems like other other people, myself, would just be like running ragged. But you look like you are just handling it and better for it. And I cannot wait to hear more about your story. So tell us a little bit more about kind of wait before we get into that let me do an icebreaker because I love to do this just kind of sets the mood and I'm like jittery from all my coffee and I just like need to calm down here a little bit so fun icebreaker question what is your favorite book fiction and nonfiction? well I think I had I since we're talking about the topic of parenting I kind of had to go into Mm -hmm. I had to bring my parenting favorites (laughs) And so I think unconditional, because I'm an educator, I think unconditional parenting by Alfie, Alfie Cohen. I recently looked through my books and it's the one with that's most like dog eared and torn up and underlined. And I think he's an incredible person. And, and so, sorry, can you say that again? What was that yeah, called? Unconditional parenting by Alfie Cohen. Okay. And he's amazing. And, what um, is he? the other Who is one, he? he's an educator Okay, and also just dives deep into the idea of punishments and rewards and um, just societal norms around teaching and grades and the whole thing. And he has a different take on it and it's a bit counterintuitive, but I find him incredible. That's amazing. amazing. Um, And then Patty Whipfler, the woman who I studied under and the methodology that I teach, which is hand in hand parenting. She and Tasha Shore wrote a book last year called listen. Okay. And it's anecdotal. And so it's instructors like myself and other parents, and she's compiled all these anecdotes, um, that parents have gone through with their own kids. And I find it very relatable. And among in amidst those anecdotes, she also teaches the tools the same tools that I teach that help parents kind of move through being a connected parent. That's amazing. Yeah. Those two are my favorites. Very cool. 
So tell us about, now like diving in, because I just can't wait okay. to learn more. Tell us a little bit more about your background. How did you find this passion calling? What kind of, just tell us your story. I'm sure yeah. listeners are going to be able to connect with you in a lot of ways when, when we kind of hear where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, I think mostly I'm a mom, you know, and I'm just trying to figure it out like everybody else. And I was an educator and I was a teacher for a long time. And I was really, actually, I really connected well with my students. I was a high school counselor and I took my job really seriously. I took kids to India. I was a track coach. I did, you know, racial harmony and all kinds of different, um, things on campus. And I was well thought of and I thought, Oh, I'm going to be an amazing mom because kids like me, I like kids. I've been doing this for over a decade. I have all this experience. And so I thought I've got this no problem. And it was, it was a really, it was a hard thing to stomach the idea that I didn't know what I was doing and that having kids is not being a teacher and that having, you know, little ones who you're so invested in is just something totally different. And the first time my oldest said no to me at two years old, I was, I was dumbfounded. I was like, well, what, 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 what do I, what do I do now? She told me no. And she flat out refused. I remember we were in the um, hallway and I asked her to put her shoes on and she said no and threw her shoe. And I was like, this can't happen. I'm like teacher of the year. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know everything. <laughs> and so I I went deep into punishments, rewards, threats, timeouts, star charts, bribery. I mean, I tried everything and I read every book. And by the time I had my second kid, my kids were fighting so badly. And I was screaming and yelling at everybody because that just became my default because I had learned that as, you know, my parents were yellers. And so I became a yeller and I didn't want to be a yeller. I told myself I wouldn't be a yeller, but I ended up being a yeller. Mm-hmm. And I was at a retreat from our, our grade school, and it was a parent retreat, and we were being taught to be facilitators to do counsel in schools. And, you know, I was really into it. And we had to go around and talk about our, our child. And I just started bawling. And I just was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a terrible mom. And I just lost it. And I started crying. And this woman came up to me afterwards and she said, you should really look at hand in hand parenting. And I was like, okay, whatever it takes. You know, I was like, I need anything. I need help. I can't, I can't go on this way anymore. It's not fun. I remember my husband calling and being like, I just, just tell me when they're asleep and I'll come home because it was so tumultuous. Yeah. So I hired a coach like myself and, um, my husband and I spent 12 weeks with this woman and it changed my entire life. It changed the relationship I had with my kids. It changed me as a person. It made me a softer, kinder, gentler, more compassionate, more loving person. It made me a better friend. And it just made me think about the psychology of people in a very different way, more so than, I went to therapy for 10 years, more so than those 10 years of therapy ever did for me. This transformed me in ways I didn't think that anything could. So that's kind of how I came to this work. And then I thought, okay, this is a natural fit for me. I'm a teacher. I'm also really passionate about this. Now I'm a mom. I really want to share this message with people around me because I think it's counterintuitive this way of parenting and that we're taught to 
use consequences and punishments and times outs as a way of getting our kids to behave. And in fact, there is a better and, and, and more nurturing way to do it. Right. That's incredible. I'm just like nodding my head along the whole time because I feel the same way. I literally cried last night. You know, my husband wasn't, uh, again, I don't want to make this the just therapy hour, but you know, I I like sharing my story because I know, I know like for a fact that there's so many people out there that are feeling the same way. They just haven't been able to put it into words or talk about it. And so I'm totally down to share my story, but I think there's so much shame around it. I think, you know, you're you're like, oh, you're given this baby and now you're just expected to be a mom and your kid better behave well in public. They better eat what they're supposed to. And they're just, you're expected just to know, but we don't really know. Right. You know, nobody teaches us. No. And then you come in with all this other, you know, baggage from your upbringing and your past. And, you know, sometimes you know, it can go either way. It's like your parents were yellers and then you decide you're never going to be a yeller, but then you end up going that way too. It's like, you just kind of almost feel sometimes in like my worst moments, like darned if I do, darned if I don't, like this is just who I am, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, so last night my husband wasn't here. So I had the kids by myself and it's one of those things. We have some listener questions. Um, it's incredible. Some of the listener questions are very, um, spot on with, my question. So I feel like our listeners are very in tune with what you have to say and what you have to offer, but it's just one of those things. It's like you start off with positive intentions and you're like, I'm going to, it's going to be great. Like I'm going to be patient. You know, it's going to be, we're going to spend some time together. And then, you know, for, kids don't cooperate <laughs> or at least yeah. if, if you don't really know how to connect with them or get them to cooperate, um, it ends up going that way. And then just, it's like a domino effect. It's like, Okay. You start off calmly. They're not cooperating. You raise your voice a little bit more, try and get their attention and a little bit more. It's like this escalation until finally you're like screaming and Uh kids are crying and you're like guilt ridden on the couch after they go to bed, like wishing you could have a do over. At least that's me. That's me. Yeah. That's me too. And (laughs) and even after all this work, I still find days like that. Yeah. That's good to know. Because it's hard. Yeah. That's, that's essential. I think it's like you get the, these, the feeling sometimes that, you know, once I, I master this, once I really, really understand this technique or I learn everything there is to know, then I will be the perfect parent, right? Like I will practice this a hundred percent, but it's like something that we've learned through the podcast with everything. It's like, everything is a, is a, is a process and you're constantly working through it and you're working to be in that process, whatever it is, whether it's nutrition or fitness or mothering, it's like, you have to make a choice every day to, to practice those things. And that's it. It just takes practice. And I think that's the same thing that we have to allow for our children. You know, I think a lot of times we expect our kids to be better people than even we are. Mm -hmm. You know, we expect them not to have upsets or not to say the wrong thing or not to, you know, say no or not want to cooperate. And that we get really indignant when that happens, but that's just part of being a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not perfect and nor are they. And they are just learning in this world how to self-regulate. And it takes them a long time to learn how to do those things. And it's it's the only thing we can control as parents is ourselves. Right. So if we can control our reactions and be and you know, temper our temper what comes up for us and try to really regulate what comes up for us, we can move through those bad interactions 
more calmly and then it makes those bad interactions not so bad right absolutely absolutely okay well let's dive in like tell us a little bit more so you know you mentioned just to be clear so you are hand in hand certified yes and this is a positive parenting philosophy you know, I think positive parenting, and they, they, we call it all kinds of things, right? Conscious parenting, connected parenting, hand-in-hand parenting, peaceful parenting, positive parenting. And I think they're all kind of a catch-all phrase for the idea that we work more on the relationship we have with our kids and the connectivity and really trying to strengthening that and coming with more love and kindness as opposed to coming with rewards, punishments, consequences, timeouts, bribery, and all of that star charts and all of that stuff. So we intrinsically like inside of ourselves want our kids to be motivated instead of extrinsically through all those extra motivators that are outside of them. Because when we use those, it damages the relationship we have with our child because the kid thinks of it as manipulation mm-hmm. and they don't really want to like, you know, you'll say, well, if you, you know, if you do X, Y, and Z, you can watch a television show. If you brush your teeth, you can watch a television show. Well, the kid probably really doesn't want to brush their teeth, but they're going to force themselves to brush their teeth to watch the television show. But they're probably secretly inside a little bit angry that you manipulated them that way. So when you ask them to go to bed, they might say no. because they're not endeared to you. Now, if you can get them to brush their teeth in a way that's more connective, then you're not going to have to deal with later behaviors where they're upset with you. And so you're going to get them to be more drawn into you and more wanting to follow your lead and more wanting to have you be able to tell them what to do to some degree because they care more about you and because they know you care about them and you're not manipulating them. So that's the idea of this positive, connected, conscious, all these labeled parenting methods. Yeah, that's so powerful. And it's just, it just, ah, it's just ringing like true to me because I mean, I had, I literally had that conversation, not the toothbrush, though we do have that quite (sighs) often. It was like he, and then he starts to like understand that he can manipulate the situation by offering those behaviors in return for something. So last night it was food. It was like, you need to eat your dinner. You know, and he's, you know, he'll eat his dinner, but it takes literally like two hours. And finally I was, he was like, I'll eat my dinner if I can have ice cream. And right. I was like, well, okay. that's what we say. It's yeah. like, is your kid manipulative? Well, I don't know. They may have learned it from me, right. but I don't think they're born manipulative. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it, it's true. And they'll start manipulating their friends and their mm-hmm. teachers and their siblings. And because they, they realize, oh, this is how you, I get what I want. Right. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. Okay. So tell us about positive parenting, conscious parenting. You know, how did this movement kind of start? I know you mentioned Patty Whipfler. Yeah. So let's start with Patty Whipfler. So she actually, she and I have similar backgrounds. She was a teacher as well. And, um, she too thought she would be a good parent and ended up, you know, being a yeller. And she then what happened to her is that she broke down to the right person who was a listener. And back, this was 45 years ago. And this woman listened to Patty download all that she felt about parenting. And so this hand in hand parenting is steeped in the idea of listening 
And that when parents are listened to about the way they feel about parenting or about the way they were brought up or about anything that they're struggling with, they can let that, some of that stuff go and move through it and then come to their parenting calmer. So when I meet with parents and when I meet in groups, I do something called listening time and I listen to each of my clients talk about, you know, I'll say, what was it like living in your house? What, what was it like when you were punished? And they'll go back and really like download how it was to be punished. And when they talk about their own and how it felt in their own world, they see how it plays out with their own kids. So it's like doing the therapy backwards. It's like you, you work on your own issues from when you were a child. It's just like therapy. But when you have a good listener, your mind will help fix itself. You don't need someone to tell you what to do. You just need to be listened to. So Patty started in this idea of listening and it was really powerful for her. And so she started having all these listening groups at her house back and forth with all these parents. And then they started thinking, well, maybe if we listen to our kids that way, they too can move through their emotional upsets. And so then she started this, you know, like a baby preschool in her house where emotional upsets and tantrums and all of these things were okay. And everybody was list adults were listening to kids and kids were able to move through it much better and feel heard and feel understood and feel like somebody was on their side. And so that was the start of her hand in hand parenting. And then since then she's created these five tools that are all steeped in the idea of listening. And so she teaches and she teaches teachers to teach other people. And so it's become this huge like movement, but there are all kinds of people that are, you know, doing it. Dr. Dan Siegel and Dr. Laura Markham and um, Alfie Cohen. And there's all kinds of experts out there. I really like hand in hand parenting because it is, because it's so steeped in the idea of listening. And I think that that's been so powerful for me to be listened to as a parent and help me move through a lot of my stuff. That's, that's incredible. I keep saying that, but I'm, <laughs> that's going to be my word of the episode. <laughs> um, you said she has five techniques. Would you mind kind of sharing those without, I mean, I know five parents, tools. Really, five tools, like parents really need to yeah. kind of probably yeah. dive in with someone like yourself or into a book, but just in general, yeah. can you kind of loosely introduce those five tools to us? Yeah. So the five tools are special time. Um, stay listening, play listening, setting limits and listening partnerships. And they don't make a lot of sense in their, in their, um, just their names, but I'm, I, I want to give you guys the, um, the tool of special time because I think it is a super powerful tool. And I think it's like the crux of this kind this work that she does and what, but the, I, but, but let me preface with, you can't just do go home and do special time and think that everything's going to be fixed. Right. You actually do have to kind of do the whole program to really make it work and be cohesive, but this can help get you connected. And the idea of special time is that you spend 20 minutes one-on-one with each of your children and you allow, and you play with, you allow them to pick whatever it is they want to do. So like, for instance, Pia, my youngest for the last, I don't even know how long I may, maybe, maybe three months, this child, all she wants to do is bake. So every day, I kind of pretty much right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want to recipe. She wants to like, <laughs> up. Oh, so half oh, the okay. time, 
but she's kind of figured out now, like how to like make a real recipe. But the, the idea is that she's in control. She gets to tell me what to do. She gets to do whatever she wants and it's timed. So I time it for 20 minutes and there's no phone. There's no distraction. There's no saying like, Oh, hold on a second. I know we're baking right now, but I have to answer this email. Oh, there's somebody at the door. Oh, there's the cat. This, uh, uh-uh. It's not that kind. And I think that's really what happens to us, especially if you're around your kids a lot or home, we we're with them, but we're not with them. And so these 20 minutes is like a shot of connection. It's like filling up their cup. It's making them feel good and full and in control and giving them good control. So they don't try to control you later. Right. And I do it every day. Okay. I was going to ask, how frequently do you do, do that? I do it every day. And For each of your kids. Each of my kids. And it's cumulative. Okay. Okay. I was going to ask, yeah. par- partners. So like, um, you know, is it each, so 20 minutes each with each parent or kind of yes. you, okay. So like you every day, because, 20 minutes with each parent. Okay. Yeah. And also if you have a caretaker too. Okay. Like my dad helps out a lot. And every time he comes over, he starts with special time. Okay. And so it, because you want your kid to be endeared to all the people that are doing special time, not just to you or not just to, you know, your partner. Right. And so what happens if they want to choose something like watching TV or. Well, so the, I do have my one rule is no screens. Okay. Got it. But other than that, and every once in a while they'll say like my kids, Pia loves, I don't know why Pia's coming up a lot, but she loves to watch RuPaul's um, dry Queens. And so <laughs> once in a while I'll say, all right, I'll watch the drag queens today. <laughs> and she'll get so excited and it'll be like once a month, you know, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll humor her and watch RuPaul. But That's other than that, amazing. I think they use, she <laughs> sounds like a them. very amazing child. <laughs> She's kind of funny. She's a funny kid. Okay, cool. So special time. And then, so what I'm getting, and from what we've talked about before, like previously before recording, it's it's kind of like everything that we talk about here on the podcast. Even So like I um, am very well-versed in, in infant sleep, right? And so one of the things, we get a lot of questions about sleep, and we talk about routines, and we talk about structure, and we talk about all this stuff. But essentially at the root of it, the most important thing is the emotional connection that you have with your kiddo will kind of lay the foundation for very safe, sound, good sleep. And so kind of like what you're saying is like, yeah, there's all these things you can do in terms of like, I'm sure there's like time ends or, you know, whatever. Y'all probably have some things you can implement in terms of tools, but at the core, at the root of it is that that foundation of connectedness. And that's kind of what I'm getting from you. Yeah. And all the tools are based, are ways to get connected. Right. There are ways in which you can get connected. And these five tools you use forever. You use from infancy until you're, I mean, I use them with my friends. Mm -hmm. I use them with adults. They're just, you know what? They're basic ways to interact with people. It's just a way of being a good, safe, kind person to somebody else. Yeah. I think that's so powerful too. And one thing that I keep constantly reminding myself I forget who told me this statement, but it like really impacted me was that your kid, your baby, your child is a person, a real person. Like it's not, I treat kids this way and I treat adults this way, this way, or I treat my kids this way and I treat my friends this way. Like they are people, you know, and you want to treat them as if they were a person, 
you know, obviously you have to set rules and there are different things as a parent that you have in your relationship, but at the ultimate foundation of it, like you want to teach them how to interact with other people, how to respect people, how to, you know, love and appreciate and, you know, all that stuff. I know that essentially so many people, that's what they really desire is for their children to be connected to other people and be empathetic and, you know, numerous things, but, you know, they kind of get lost up in this whole how, how do I do that? Or, you know, it's stressful. I've had a long day at work and yeah. I've got to get dinner. I've got to get these kids in bed. I still want to like have time with my spouse. And it's like, especially moms and not to take anything away from dads, because I know a lot of them struggle with the same things, but I feel like moms stress about it more. You know what I mean? Like how, yeah. having everything flow smoothly, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think society has said we're in charge of that, right? right? They've said, like, you're in charge of the kids. You're in charge of making sure those kinds of things happen. And I do think, though, a lot of dads, you know, crave the connection, too. And they they, they want to have these intimate relationships with their kids. And they don't quite know how to do it either. And they, too, have been told to not have their emotions and not have their feelings. And and um, I think it's so important to recognize that men ha- and boys have feel deep feelings. They're actually, science says that they're the more, more sensitive of the gender and that they've just not been allowed to express themselves that way because society has said you have to be stoic. So I think it's important to recognize that, but yeah, women too, you know, we've been saddled with, you're, you're going to work and you're going to take care of the kids and you're going to do all this stuff and you got to make it look right and good yeah. and easy. Right. Totally. And it is it isn't right and good and easy. Not ever. <laughs> not, not usually. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's powerful. Um, working through the outline, we're kind of answering a lot of these as we go along, but you did kind of hit on that. It's not really a technique or a school of thought. It's kind of like this overarching idea based on a lot of different things, but what would you say, because we've had some experts in different realms, you know, where parenting, Rye, I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these movements that are really focused on connection, what would you say are some distinction between your, yeah. what you're doing and things like aware parenting and Rye? I think aware parenting is the, the, the idea and the approach is similar. The background is similar. It's based in connection and it's all about, you know, being a kind, more loving, gentle parent. I think the two things, I think the idea of these five tools is what makes hand in hand parenting so accessible and so much more doable because you can think in the idea of aware parenting and it's lovely, but what do I do? Like I need to do something every day that's going to make this better. I need a tool. I can't just have this esoteric feeling that I just want to be kinder and read all these Instagram posts that says, you know, come with love. Like that's <laughs> great. But what does that mean? How do I get connected? How do I be a connected parent? And I think five tools that Patty teaches really help you get connected and they're simple. They're yeah. easy tools. Um, and so I think that's the big difference with, with this. And the other thing is, is that this isn't permissive parenting. This isn't saying like, I'm letting my kids do whatever they want. I'm setting limits in this methodology. I'm saying like, no, you're only going to have one cookie and that's it. And then you can be upset about it. And I'm going to listen to your upset and I'm going to empathize with you. I'm going to say, I know, I understand you really want two cookies. I get it. I'm not going to talk you out of your feelings. I'm going to let you have your upset, but I'm not letting you have another cookie Mm -hmm. because that's my limit. 
and I'm sticking to it because kids need limits. And so I think that's the other big difference. I love that. And it's like, you know, we both Laura and I, we've had, you know, aware parenting and aware parenting has done a ton for us, um, personally and, you know, individually. And we've, you know, had a lot of feedback from those episodes, but I think the major question we've had is like, okay, that's great. I love this. I'm so on board with aware parenting, but how do I do it? And especially for someone like me, who's very type A, who wants to, I don't know, I want someone, this sounds terrible. I want someone to tell me how to do this, what to do, what can I do daily? Exactly. Like you said, to start working towards this because I'm not a, I don't know. I, I'm not what you would call a, a intrinsic mother person. I, I feel like I, I need to really work at it daily. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. I think that's going to, that's why this whole methodology really kind of resonates with me. And I will tell you, we went to a class, um, at my son's school. He's, he has an amazing Montessori school and it's, it's like, we love it so much. Um, and they had a class and it was on positive parenting. It wasn't Patty. I forget who the, the people, um, the author of the, I guess, program of the book was that they were talking about, but it was great because it was actually like we were role playing, you know, like, okay, what are some struggles that you guys do and how would you, how would you normally go about this? And then, you know, here's a, different way you might approach it so it was really cool to do that and you know it was only for like an hour and one evening so it was just barely scratching the surface so I can appreciate that this kind of whole technique I I keep calling it a technique this whole school of thought a little bit more because I feel like it will once I dive into it it will give me actionable tools Yeah, it will. And I think that's the thing is that when I meet, I usually, I like to meet with couples a lot or, or just individuals on their own. But when we meet, I give you a tool and I say, okay, here's your tool. Here's how you do it. Here's the sport materials to read about it. Now go home and practice your tool. And then my clients will come back the following week and they'll say, okay, this is what I did. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. And then I say, then we, then we suss out all those happenings that happened within that week. And I say, okay, maybe you could try this, or maybe you could try that, or tell me your frustrations. Let's work all the way through it. And then I give another tool and they go home and use that tool and they bring it back with all their problems. So when you do that for six or eight weeks, you know, in a row, you really get good things that you can do with your kids that make a big, big difference. That's amazing. I love that so much. Um, and thank you for that kind of distinction. It's not, and again, we never on this podcast say that one way of doing things is better than the other. It's merely like, we want to give you guys the full kind of gamut of what's out there so that if this resonates with you, great. Like this is something that you're connecting with. This can be a tool for you. If you are just really rocking with your current situation with aware parenting or rye or whatever, like that's amazing. Don't, if it's not broken, don't fix it is always our, our motto kind of come to be. Yeah. But if it is something that you're seeking to change and this resonates with you, then great. Like I'm so happy that we're bringing this information. Yeah. So and I think do it all. I yeah. mean, do right. I think rise amazing. Do right too. do aware parenting, yeah. do and just all complement each other and they all just give you more information. Right. So I think that's important too. You don't have to pick like necessarily just one thing. Right. Cause, and that's the other thing. It's like, we talked about this, um, on my husband and I did a podcast and, you know, our big thing is like, 
he's a rebel. Um, he has a rebel tendency. I don't know if you've heard about the four tendencies with Gretchen Rubin, but he always hesitates to, he will never buy into one particular thing. And he hates saying like, I'm an aware parent or yeah. I'm paleo, even though yeah. mostly we're paleo because he just like, just detests being like structured that way. But he, you know, even said in that podcast, you know, we pick and choose and draw on things that work um, for us, for each kid, because sometimes it's especially present in our household. We have very, two very opposite personalities yeah. in terms of just everything. Um, and so some yeah. things that work with one don't necessarily work with the other one. Um, but we're always moving toward connection with both of them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think you can't go wrong in that way. Yeah, totally. But you know, and I, you can kind of probably attest to this, do certain kiddos feel connected through different ways? I mean, obviously when you're giving them 20 minutes of, you know, their time, they're going to choose to connect in different ways. Do you learn about your kiddos in that way by what they choose? Yeah. And I mean, I think what's interesting too, is in special time, kids will, sometimes they'll play out some of their psychological hurts. So like, Uh, I had a client who had a child who would play school every single day and they had to be the teacher and they were constantly telling everybody what to do and getting them in trouble and clipping down their clip chart and doing all these things to the parent because they were having a hard time at school with all that stuff and they needed a place to play it out and they found special time, this safe place to play that out. And so I think you learn about the psychology of your kids and what they're going through when you really are present in that way. Yeah. And so I think it's so interesting what comes up, you know, or, you know, uh, we, we also believe in this methodology that tantrums are good Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. you should sit through tantrums and really be an empathic listener through those, no matter how long they last. And sometimes in those, I know for Pia, she had sleep apnea really bad as a little kid. And every time she had a tantrum, she'd say, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I think she was like kind of remedying or playing out or getting through some of those times when she was really young where she couldn't breathe. And then it would come up for her. If she, her sister said something wrong to her, she'd get upset, but then she would get triggered back into those old hurts. And so you kind of really, when you're a good listener, you learn a lot about your kids. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I, I want to know if this is feedback you've gotten from other parents too. Is it just, it's so hard. And it's the same with um, aware parenting. It's like, you're supposed to sit and be there and listen and, you know, crying in arms and stuff. And it's so hard at first to, it's impossible. Yeah. Because you want to, A, you want to make it stop. B, you want them to feel not those feelings. Like you don't want them to be upset because it's not like you want them to just be quiet. You really want them to feel better or you want them to be quiet. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) it's that. (laughs) Or all of it. All of the above. It's just so complex. Um, you know, because, and I found for me, it's just like crying makes me uncomfortable and that's, uh, just something that's my thing that I've had to deal with through therapy and stuff like that. And I used to be a crier. I used to be, I used to cry over everything, um, emotional. And I never got that like ridicule from my parents or anything like that. But I think over time I just was hard on myself. Like you need to suck this up. Like nobody wants to see you crying or like, you know, it's stop. You're an adult. Um, yeah. So So if you were my 
client, I would go into that with you. I'd be like, what did it, you know, and hopefully you could get to a place where you could unknot your own like judgments around crying. Because then if you can do that, then you can unknot your judgments around crying for your kids. And then the listening would be easier for you. So, and that's the whole thing. It's like, we, but we, we've been told in this society, just like you just said, like, we're not supposed to cry. Right. We're not supposed to be upset. And so when we hear our kids upset, we, we can't handle it. It's too much. We want to give them a cookie. So they stop crying or, you know, just tell them everything's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Everything's okay. And then it's like, then they're like, Oh, I can't have my feelings. My feelings are scary. My mom's scared of my feelings or nobody can handle them. And so it's like, we want to make sure that we're the safe container. that we're the safe place for them to come with their feelings. Because when they're 14 or like my daughter, when she's 12 now, I want to be that place so badly. And luckily I am, but it's taken me all these years to like show her that I can be there and that I'm not going to be affected by it. And that whatever she says to me is okay. And so that's when it really counts, you know, when they're older. I, I am just, when did you start doing this with your kiddos? You said it wasn't right away. You were, they were a little bit, not older, but. Yeah, my daughter was, my oldest was seven. Okay. So you're saying that if someone hasn't been practicing this all along, that yep. it's not too late. Never. It's never too late. In fact, I do groups of teenage. I did a group of women who had teenage boys and none of them had done anything. And they saw this incredible growth. Really incredible growth that, you know, they were 13, 14 year old boys and they, they figured it out and it was great. That's amazing. Really That's great. Amazing. Um, so on that note, um, yeah. one thing I'm curious about is does it look different based on ages? So like, you know, can you start practicing techniques like as a newborn and you know, how does that change through these different age trans milestones or transitions, you know, like toddlers it and does change. It's okay. the same. It's the same tools and they're applied almost the same way. I mean, infancy is a little bit different, but it's the same tools and it's the same listening. You know, it's like aware parenting. It's mm-hmm. listening to the cries and really nurturing that. And really like when you can set your mind a certain way, that mindset kind of follows through their whole progression and age. It's like, thinking of them as good and thinking of them as smart, intellectual, emotional human beings that are doing what they need to do to fix whatever's happening inside their body. And I think that's just kind of the, that understanding takes you all the way through and these tools work all the way through. Okay. That's, that's good to know. I, I, I thought you might say that, but I guess I guess because I'm in the toddler years, it feels like, well, he's not even really toddler, four and a half. Like it's kind of that transition between babyhood and asserting independence. And it feels particularly challenging at this age. He's always been very um, strong-willed and um, emotional. I I hate even putting that label on him. He's just a very expressive kid. Um, yeah, but now, you know, he's just trying to figure life out, I think, and figure out what he has control over and what he doesn't. And it's very challenging, but essentially I would still do the same things with him now as I would as he gets older. It's just all about the connection is what you're saying. Yeah. 
Okay. And I think that, you know, my oldest is, she's strong willed too and, and highly emotional at the same time and very sensitive. And I think those, I mean, she's what made me change because nothing was going to work with her except for this, except yeah. for connection. And I think those kids, you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful for her every day because I would have stayed in my old ways had she not pushed me to do something more and be better and be a better person. But those kids really strive in this connective world. They need it. They really do need it. And it's, it's weird because they'll, they'll show you that they don't, you know, the kids who need it the most act the worst, you know, they're like, they're pushing you away and they're telling you, no, I'm not going to do special time with you, but they need it so badly because they're just feeling yucky inside and they get dysregulated a lot easier than other kids. And so they need it more than others. Yeah. That's so powerful. Again, after the night I had last night, I'm just, I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Can we be best friends? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, how can you apply, um, well, I, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but you know, okay. how can you apply positive parenting and stuff like that you're talking about to trouble things yeah. that pr- really come up quite often, like sleep, food, yeah. schedule, yeah. things of that nature. Yeah. I feel like what is really consistent with all those things is it turns into a power struggle. Um, yeah. What, what, what would you say about those? So, you know, definitely connection. And I think the more connected you are to your kids, the less you struggle with that stuff. And I think special time really helps, but I really do also think play is super powerful and very important and to bring levity to your house and to like, you know, your kid isn't eating their vegetables. And instead of being like, you need to eat your vegetables or you're not going to have whatever, you know, it's like the, it's like, Oh my goodness. Thank you. know, I see those veggies on your plate. I'm going to get them. And it's like trying to like come with fun and trying to come with laughter and trying to like make it lighter in your house. And so I think that's another thing that's really powerful. And it's one of the tools is just to come with play and to come with kindness and love and make things funny when, you know, and sometimes you, you use yourself as the butt of the joke, you know, like, uh, you're just, you, you're the bumbling idiot who doesn't know. Oh my gosh. I didn't know we, we're supposed to eat our vegetables. Oh my God. I hate vegetables. <laughs> I'm not eating them. Oh my God. Ew. Are you eating your vegetables? It's so gross. And just try to like give some levity to it, yeah. you know, where we're really stuck. Like you got to eat your vegetables or you can't move on. You can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, no, it's going to be okay. Like, right. They're going to live. And, but I do think the more connected you are to your kid the less you struggle with these things because they will want to do as you ask. Right. Well, so here's my question because I'm specifically thinking about food right now. You know, for us, it's hard because we are so, um, we have such a like nutritional background and we want them to like, we know like the the real value of like, they really do need to eat their vegetables. Um, what happens, you know, in that instance where you're trying, like, everything is you're trying to get in and they're still just like yeah. refusing to engage or, you know, eat their vegetables. Do you, is there a consequence or is it more just, do you just, okay, fine. Like you're not going to yeah. eat your vegetables. We're gonna That's such on. a good question. It's a really good question. I think it's kind of multi-layered. And so let's talk about just consequences in general for a second. So what do consequences do? Do they keep, 
the kid, do they actually end up eating their vegetables next time because they know there's going to be a consequence? Or do you keep having to use the consequence over and over and over again? And then what does that do to the relationship between you and your child? Does it give disconnect you even more so that you're having more struggles? And so I just say consequences in general don't do what they're set out to do. And they actually do irreparable damage. And so I would stay away from consequences. I don't use any consequences or bribes or threats or punishments or any of that stuff. The other thing too is like, if you want to be the safe container and let's say your kid, let's say as means, you know, 15 and she's at a party and she smokes pot and she's scared to come to me to tell me because she's afraid she's going to get in trouble or have a consequence. But if I'm the mom who has never given a consequence, she's going to come to me no matter what. And so, and I don't believe that consequences create better behavior. Mm -hmm. So I think consequences in general need to be, you know, stayed away from. The other thing with the, with the food, if you really want him to eat that food, then we have to set the limit. We come with fun. If the fun doesn't work, then we set the limit and we say, I'm so sorry, but you have to eat your vegetables. And if he gets upset and starts to throw a tantrum and is very, you know, loud and vocal about that, then we stay with that child and we listen. I understand. I get it. You're really upset about the vegetables. I know this is not fun. I understand. Cry, 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 but you've got to eat your vegetables and you stick with that for as long as they need to get that emotional upset because he's saying no, not because he doesn't want to eat the vegetables, but there's some, either he's disconnected and needs to find connection with you or there's something inside of him that needs to come out. Right. And you can also offer special time. You can be like, okay, let's do a little bit, 10 minute special time really quick. And then we'll come back and eat your vegetables. Maybe you get connected with them. And I always say dinner time, especially for your age kids, it's always nice to do special time before dinner time because great idea been cooking and you're doing all this and I'm sure you have beautiful elaborate meals and you're like (laughs) they're playing and they're fighting and they're this and they're disconnected and then you're like okay everybody sit down and eat and they're like well wait a minute I haven't seen you in an hour I've been fighting with my brother and now you're telling me to eat my vegetables like (laughs) this sucks and then I'll eat my vegetables right yeah I feel like that is probably more than half of America's households right now. It's like, just, it, that's what it is. And I'm guilty of it too. Um, you know, Me too. we get home from school. Yeah. It's like, okay, you can watch a show because I need to get this stuff done and I need you to not bother me. That's right. And it's the this. connecting thing is watching a TV show. Right. Totally. Totally. Ugh, I love that. Okay. So another question I want to, do we have time to yes. do some listener questions? Um, sure. there's, we had some other stuff about, just implementing, um, techniques, but let's jump into some listener questions because we had some really good ones. And I feel like we've talked a little bit about some of these, um, already, but, um, let's just run through them. So first one, the, our biggest struggles aren't with not listening. This parent feels like a parent repeating the same thing over and over and over again. They try and start calmly and positively. This sounds so familiar. I could have written this Mm -hmm. question, but by the fifth time I've repeated myself, I end up yelling and everyone's crying. And then I feel like a crappy parent and nothing has happened to move us forward to a solution. How do you handle situations like these? You kind of touched on this. Yeah. I mean, I would use special time. I would, as soon as I'd say, first of all, say something once, if they're not listening, they're disconnected. So if they're disconnected, how can I get connected? 
can I sit with them for a few minutes, look in their eyes, talk to them? Can I say, Hey, let's um, play hide and seek for five minutes. Everybody hide and I'm going to find you for five minutes. And you spend literally five minutes getting connected to them. And then you say, okay, can you please go upstairs and brush your teeth or whatever it is that you're trying to get your kid to do. But the, I think the root of it is that kids are disconnected and we try to ask. So we have the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system and the limbic system is our emotional core of our brain and the prefrontal cortex is our reasoning and thinking. When kids are disconnected, the reasoning thinking part of their brain is no longer engaged. So they're running off their limbic system. So they're just running off their emotions. If we get them connected somehow, get connected to them, look in their eyes, play special, get special time, play hide and go seek, do something. Their prefrontal cortex will come back online and they can reason and think well. They want to cooperate with us. They don't want to be that way. They're that way because they're operating on the wrong system. So get connected. Find some quick way to get connected. I know we're all rushed, but five minutes of playing is probably shorter than 10 minutes of nagging. Oh my gosh. I mean, hands up. Yes. Cause like, <laughs> if we could just, I, 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 yes. Last night, just, I, I keep going back to that, but it was just like, it was just a disaster unfolding. It's like, if I would have had known these tools, it probably just would have been a lot smoother, a lot more, you know, quick. And I'm, I'm hoping this is really resonating with other people too. And they can just instantly start implementing this and see if it, yeah. if it works, which I'm sure it will. So it, it does, but you yeah. know, kids are still kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's They're true. Gonna act kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next one, and we already kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, and actually I think we pretty much answered this one, but she asks about yeah. food struggles. How, how would you navigate meal times when you know that your child needs nutrients, but refuses to eat a meal? Tried letting him not eat and have some sort of natural consequences. I'm assuming she's saying like be, he'll be hungry. Um, he'll be hungry. Yeah. I, I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't believe in that kind of stuff too much. I mean, I feel like kids are not not eating because they're mad at you or because they want to be stubborn or they want to be a certain way. There's something else emotionally going on below the surface, and a lot of it is disconnection. It doesn't have to be your fault that it's disconnection, but maybe they've spent all day at school. Mm-hmm. And my oldest wakes up disconnected. She wakes up like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And we've implemented this, like, you have to give hugs and kisses to everybody before you sit down to breakfast. She does. Because she's so disconnected, and she has to do staring contest with me, you know? <laughs> That, that gets, they say that, you know, your eye contact links straight to your limbic system. And so I'd say this is disconnection. And so it isn't so much about the food. It's about getting connected to have less of these struggles. But when you need to hold the line and you want to hold the line, you can hold the line, but there will be an upset, but you have to then listen through that upset to get your desired, you know, where you're holding the line. And I think the, the other thing too, is like, where do you want to have your limits? You know, what's important to you? Because we can't have too many everywhere because that's too much for kids. But what's important? Right. Yeah. And I don't know how you feel about this, but my husband and I were talking about this um, today, actually, you know, trying to say yes more instead of no all the time and being really distinctive in why we're saying no, because I, my husband, so especially, I'm going to throw him under a bus a little bit, but he is very much like, 
I just want him to listen to me. And like, no, you can't wear pants and shorts to school. And I'm on the other side of thinking, it's not going to hurt anybody. Like, he That's can wear it. pants and shorts. Like, as long as he's not going to hurt himself, he's not yeah. going to hurt somebody else. That's right. Like, I'm just, I want to be able to say yes more so that when I do say no, it's, I mean it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think there's, my rules in my house are be kind and be safe. That's it. Be kind and be safe. Right. I don't know what else there. I mean, my daughter was six and she said, I want to shave my head. And I was like, oh my God, what? You can't go to kindergarten with your head shaved. Well, that's a very big test. Shave it. I want to shave it. And I was like, I had to take a deep breath. And I was like, you know what? I just let her shave it. Like, what does it matter? Like, let her do it. And she did it and she's nine and it's still, you know, shaved all the hot side. And it's like, it gave her control and it gave her so much expression and it made her feel good about herself where I'm not controlling her. Kids don't want to be over controlled. No, but no person does. Right. And so if we can let go of some of that, you know, where we can say, just like you said, you said it so beautifully, where can I say yes? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely, I'm, I'm trying to implement that. It's really hard. And it's really it hard when you are, you're co you're co-parenting with somebody else who also like, y'all have to be on the same page. And again, we talked about this in our last episode. It's like, you got to have these conversations. You can't just assume that you guys are going to be on the same page in regards to anything like parenting. Um, and so Tim and I are very like having these conversations when the kids go to bed, like, what are we doing? How are we going to like figure this out? Like, because we're not on the same page and it's not always like we're butting heads openly, but it's like, okay, we just don't know how to do this together. So I think that's huge as well. Um, Let's see. Okay. So next question, how would you approach a spouse who is not on board to implement, um, or change, implement change to a more peaceful parenting approach? I mean, I have that happen. Yeah. I would lead by example. I would delve deep into it and start doing it and show them how great it is. And, you know, and, and listen to them and be like, I know I, and just be really empathic with them. I know you don't want to do that. I get it you know, but and hold the limit. I'm doing this because I believe in it and just start doing it. And maybe when they see how good it is that you can bring them on board. Does that happen? Have you seen that happen before where they kind of yeah. start off at odds and then the other yeah. parent kind of jumps in? Yeah. And I think, you know, where one parent's really into it and the other parent's just along for the ride, you know, but, um, when I do sessions, I get, I, we always, they always come around after a while because this also, this methodology is based in brain science. And a lot of people really glom onto the idea that the brain science is so, it's so understandable that they can say, Oh, I get it. My limbic system, my prefrontal cortex, my brain stem, like I get that how this is physiologically working. Right. And when you can explain it that way, sometimes you can bring people along. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely a science-minded person too. It's like, I want to know why, yeah. like you said, that why they have a hard time or, you know, right. and then when you know that it's better like, okay, they're not just being these yeah. little dictators that want to go against what I'm saying. Like this is literally like how their brain is working. So I think that makes it a lot more accessible to, 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 to people in general. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think you kind of already talked about that question. 
Um, let's jump to, we'll make this our last one. Um, how do you manage multiple kiddos with different personalities? I feel guilty sometimes because my older two have always been so quote unquote easy. And our youngest is the most strong-willed child I have ever met. I catch myself yelling more, being more irritated, and more impatient with her. Uh, and then, therefore, more calm and collected with the older two. She doesn't like it, but she's not sure how to change it. Such a good question. Um, I think, I mean, I think the basic premise of, of this methodology or approach is that we have to come self-regulated. And that if we aren't self-regulated and if we haven't downloaded our own emotions and feelings about having a strong little kid or about, you know, crying or about divorce or about whatever it is that we're coming with, that we're not going to be able to manage. We're not going to be able to manage. And so it's, it's all, it's, it's on us. You know, we have to, our kids are going to be kids. The only thing we can change is us and our reactions to our kids. And I was this mom for sure. I mean, I would yell and scream at my older one and my younger one was more passive. Um, and so I was more kind and gentle with her, but unbeknownst to me, when I started all this parenting, she had all these clogged feelings underneath of watching me yell at my older daughter. And so she had to process all this stuff and get it all out because it was traumatizing also for her to watch that happen. And so, you know, I think that even though we might be yelling at the, the one that's more strong-willed or more difficult, that it's this dynamic that has to stop in general, that we need a calmer existence. And the only way to really do that is to really work on yourself and to really dive into this work and really read and, and, you know, get a coach if you can, or find a support group or find a listening partnership or whatever it is to like de kind of re-regulate your own emotions. Yeah. That's so powerful. I mean, that's, that's essentially what we've found. Just, I mean, even talking to all sort different, you know, the rye and the aware parenting, it's all yeah. about like, essentially you doing the work first and coming from a better place so that you can, you know, lead yeah. your children to that place as well. So, so I think great. I wrote on Instagram something like I realized that it was easier to fix myself than fix my kids. Right. You know? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was trying to fix them and they wouldn't fix. And so I was like, Dude, that is so true. Just, like, Fix that myself. is so true. So true. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure we could probably talk more about this topic for hours and okay. hours, but, um, I know we just kind of scratched the surface. Um, tell us a little bit of where we can find you. So I know you, you say if this resonates with some listeners and they want to connect with you, how can they connect with you? Are there certain things that you, you know, do one-on-one -on -one with clients or anything like that? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, I do, I speak at schools, um, and I speak to parent groups and I run groups and I, um, work with couples individually and I do it all phone, Skype and in person. Okay. And I'm in Los Angeles and, um, you can find me at peace and parentingla.com. That's my website. I'm also on Instagram and I post almost, I post almost every day. And mostly it's like a diary of the stuff that I struggle with because I still struggle as a parent too. And I'm not perfect. And I do the wrong thing still all the time. And I, I try to like post about those things cause I think people can really relate to that. So I'm at peace and parenting on Instagram okay. and I'm also peace and parenting on Facebook and, um, you can find all my contact information on all those and, um, reach out. I'm awesome. happy to help awesome. in any way. 
Great. Thank you so much. I mean, I have a few reminders for our listeners from Laura and I, and then we'll close out the episode, but make sure you guys, um, you have until the 31st to enter our rad giveaway, um, which is huge. You're going to leave rate like, no subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes and send us a screenshot of that review to modern mamas podcast at gmail.com. And you can enter to win our big old giveaway, which is, let me see if I can remember the long, cause it's a lot, the pure stainless bottle, the fed and fit project, um, 21 day sugar detox daily guide, Miranda, Miranda Oldroyd street parking program. God, there's one more paleo Valley, Oregon complex. I did it. Um, so that's a rad giveaway. Don't forget to enter. Um, that's almost over. You can find us on social media at laura.radicalroots and at jess.holdthespace. And again, you can connect with us via email. If you have anything you want to chat about, we love receiving emails. So that's at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. And if you want to hang on, we'll, we'll chat a little bit more after we end the recording. But it was so nice to have you. You're amazing. Can I thank say you. I love you? Oh, yes, please. Thank you. That's so sweet. You're so nice. Awesome. I loved it. I love talking. I could talk for hours. Me too. That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> you should get a podcast. Right. Well, you know, I have to get a microphone first. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Hey, guys. Jess here. Just wanted to give you a heads up on a great deal that we don't want you to miss out on. Laura and I have recently teamed up with our friends at ButcherBox to bring you an amazing offer on premium grass-fed, hormone, and antibiotic-free meats delivered right to your door. We've absolutely been loving the opportunity to put together our own custom boxes of the highest quality beef, pork, and chicken. And we definitely don't want you guys to miss out on the chance to try it too. Right now, if you visit butcherbox.com forward slash modern mamas, you get the chance to get $10 off of your first box plus two free 10-ounce grass-fed ribeyes. You definitely don't want to miss out on this deal, friends, so get on it.